Welcome to the Rekindling Ministries podcast series. This is episode 3.21, and this is the putting it all together episode. Mm-hmm. This is the uh, the elephant episode that we've been referencing for a long time. My name is Shannon Kirkpatrick, and I am one of the, the teachers for Rekindling Ministries. My name is Zach Rios, and I'm a student studying youth ministry and pastoral leadership, and I've been along this journey of putting all these podcasts together. For a while now. For a while now, yeah. So... If this is your, uh, if, if you've dialed into this episode and you haven't listened to any of the other ones, we'll explain real quick what's been what's been going on. Mm-hmm. So we've done 20 episodes here in season three in this unpacking series, and each episode was like a different piece of the puzzle. And we spent 90 minutes, two hours, four hours more, <laughs> right, on some of them, like with Evil, yeah. um, where we just slowly, methodically worked through that piece of the puzzle, twisting it all around, looking at all different directions. Why were those episodes so long? There was a ton of details, right, mm-hmm. that we wanted to cover, the, the depth and that comprehensive breadth as well. And so there's a lot of information to cover, and we wanted to be able to chew on that and process through, help the listener kind of come around, you know, Sometimes we needed to challenge a little bit of, of what church tradition has taught. Uh, you know, we a lot of times we take a more simplistic approach because that's easier. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you and I and the others that have, have been here in this process with us has found is there's a lot of complexity with Scripture. And so that, that working through that complexity simply just takes time. So we did these these 20 episodes, all these different pieces of the puzzle, uh, all leading up to this episode here, and there's more to come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this is not the last episode of the season, but this is this is like, all right, let's, let's take a moment, let's look at, let's take all these pieces of the puzzle, let's bring them all together, and let, let's let, let's just, you know, make the puzzle, right? Let's just put the yeah. pieces in, see, see, and see the picture, like. yeah, see the picture that forms. And so, so with that, this episode is going to be a little bit different. We think <laughs> that's the plan, and mm-hmm. uh, that we we want to do a rapid fire approach. And so, as as we go through all of this, um, we're just going to go boom, 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 point, 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 right, and go through all that. As Zach and I were talking about this in the prep ahead of time. We know that we like to to explain and do mm-hmm. these rabbit trails and kind of defend. Hey, l- l- let's help kind of persuade you why we're coming to grips with this. But we realized that was what what all those previous episodes were for. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to do any persuasion or any defense of or any elaboration on all those points. Yeah. You can go back and listen to those episodes if you're wrestling with it. So, so how this how this episode is going to work is is just the summary, and it's going to be point, 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 like we said. Mm-hmm. Um, and if at any point you're like, no, wait a minute, why do you why do you hold to that? Well, go back and listen to the to the previous episode, and, and let us give the explanation there. Yeah. Uh, so we really are going to try to make a commitment <laughs> uh, to, to 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 doing this in, in this rapid fire way. Um, and so and so like like we said, we kept calling this the elephant in the in the room. Uh, episode. Mm-hmm. And so what is the elephant in the room? The elephant is uh, trying to, how all these different pieces play together and and maybe exploring some of the, the tensions a little bit, not necessarily in depth because that's what we did in, in the other yeah. episodes. Um, but I just, I love, I love the picture that this forms mm-hmm. and the picture is pretty powerful. And like we were even talking about how the picture isn't drastically different 
than what we've been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely some more vibrancy, definitely some more color, maybe a little more tension or a little less tension, depending on your definitions, etc. cetera. <laughs> um, but we were excited about actually bringing it all together. Yeah, because it almost, if I were to use this analogy off the top of my head, which is always dangerous, but it almost uh, has gone from a watercolor of what scripture has painted about these sort of things to a pencil just a really nice pencil sketch Mm -hmm. and so just there were some really kind of blurry lines that stuff has kind of faded together and not quite sure how to define all of the different things as it relates to who god is and how we should be interacting with sin and just all the different things we've been talking about and what we've been really trying to do is put the lines back in and see where are all of these different Mm -hmm. colors supposed to be Mm -hmm. and so then we can really get a clearer view of what we're looking at yeah, and, and another thing, too, you know, we mentioned this is not the last episode of the season yeah. because there's actually more unpackings that we're doing, but we wanted to start with these 20 and then form that picture, and then we'll go through more. Because one of the things that we've talked about is maybe down the road we might try to create maybe even some physical, actual huge tapestry mm-hmm. that would take everything that we've been learning through this this rekindling ministries and putting it all into one big massive crazy tapestry yeah um and so we're not there yet right it's gonna take our whole lives to kind of get there but at least this becomes a pretty cool picture so far Mm -hmm. right Uh, of of what are kind of the basics of all of it um another thing that we've talked a lot about in uh in this series is motivation so remember Mm -hmm. how we've done each of these these um unpackings and there's always those four questions of okay so so once we've looked through all the scriptures contextually and historically uh, what would we say is the basic definition of this concept and then what are some of those details and nuances under the hood mm-hmm. and then the third question is and then what's the what's the benefit of this what's the motivation for pursuing this uh, and then the fourth one is that then when what's the application how is this going to change you so the thing with the, the benefits and motivation was I had long kind of lived my Christian life out of obligation. Hmm. And yes, there is an obligation, right? Christ may, or God made us and Christ died for us, so we owe it to him to do it that. But what I realized, one of the patterns I saw in Scripture was a lot of times when God was giving a command, he would then explain why mm-hmm. uh, and what it would result in. And so this is what I want you guys to do, and this is why. So that was interesting to me that God was taking the time to, to show somebody um, w- not just the selfish what was in it for them, but show them, listen, this is some benefit that's going to come to you. Yeah. Like the humility study was huge, which we haven't recorded yet. Um, so so it was important for us that we take time to actually get into the benefits of everything. Mm-hmm. So so with that, why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this season? Why are we doing this episode? What are the benefits that is going to come if someone's listening to this episode and seeing how all these different pieces of the puzzle um, kind of come come together. So one of the benefits is we we do strongly believe that that God gets more pleased than he marvels. Um because he's watching his his followers take the time to come together to explore this stuff, to try to hash it out, yeah. to really try to... It's an act of obedience. It's an act of worship um, because we're trying to really apply the details of the Bible to the details of our lives. And God getting to watch that process, He just he's pleased by that, and mm-hmm. he gets to marvel and just kind of grin from ear to ear. Yeah, because there's power in the details. And a lot of that power can be seen as we're interacting with others. We can really impact others. We can benefit 
benefit others. Um, this whole process and really understanding it leads to us and others really being encouraged, strengthened. It grows our understanding of the motivation behind why things are the way they are. And it really just is a benefit for not only ourselves, but others as well. Yeah, so not only is, is God going to be pleased, not only are others going to be impacted, this is also going to affect your intimacy with God. So one of the big things for us, like, you know, I mean, just even in relationships in general, um, it, it's hard to be intimate with a stranger. And so one of the things that's helpful is to get to know them better and yeah. they get to know you better. And so as we put all these pieces together right into, into this to this picture, it's a chance to get to know God a little better, which is going to increase your intimacy with him. Yeah. And it also, in addition to our intimacy, and this really leads into this next point, it helps us be more resilient uh, when suffering comes, when all of the different, when really life hits us, it allows us to um, just be able to respond more effectively um, mm -hmm. that we can have ourselves focused in the right way and we really can just move forward well because of all of the different things that we know. And then another benefit too is future rewards. So all of this stuff, as you're getting more into the details and you're applying these details and all these other benefits we've just been talking about, because of that obedience, there's going to come that day, you know, on the other side of the gates and, and, and the judgment when, when God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. I put you in charge of a few things. Now come be in charge of many. This is also 1 Corinthians 3 and some other passages as well. Um, that if you're actually, because if you're putting all this stuff together, it begins to make more sense. And so you're more likely to do it. And if you're doing it and you're being more obedient and you're living the way that the, the Lord would uh, want us to live, then he's going to reward you. Right? Yeah. Whether it's this life or, or the one to come. So so those are just, just some of the benefits um, that, that we actually strongly believe, yeah. which is why we've been spending all this time recording all this. And we didn't want to get into all of the individual benefits of all of the individual things we've been talking about over right. the last 20 episodes. But really, you could plug and play those different things in because if you are being more loving and you're being more patient and just all the different topics we've been talking about, all of those benefits will also come. These yep. are just some benefits of really the whole picture. Yeah, the together. umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So with that, what we wanted to do next was we wanted to go through um, each of the uh, the the concepts that we've been discussing in these last 20 episodes or so. And, and all we're going to do is just give you what the conclusion was from mm -hmm. the episode as far as what the definition was. Because one of the things that, that if you've been listening for a long time, you, you've begun to realize is the importance of wording and yes. definitions. Yes. So much debate that happens between Christians, well, this is true of really humans in general, is that people are assuming one definition when someone means another. Mm -hmm. And so we think it's really important that we take time to clarify, listen, when we use this word, this is the definition that we're using. So one of the things is, as we go through the rest of this episode and we start putting all the picture together and it, it and something doesn't make sense to you or doesn't sit well with you or you kind of are disagreeing on, oh, I don't think it's that way at all. You want to come back to the beginning part of this episode and realize, oh, this, okay, when they use that word, this is the definition they mean. This was based on these four to six week unpackings that we've done, right, mm -hmm. uh, of all these things. And so we're just going to rapid fire this right now um, so we can we can lay it out there for you as we get into the picture itself. Um, so, so go ahead. Yeah, so the first definition that we had, the first episode that we recorded as a part of this um, was the idea of hope. And so what does hope mean? It's to hold on to and take refuge in the confident expectation of some good thing that is still coming. 
And then we, the next episode was heaven. And when we talk about heaven, we're referring to the eternal kingdom of God, that physical, perfect realm that all followers of Jesus will live in and enjoy in full relationship with God forever. We also talked about faith, which is being persuaded by God to, to sincerely acknowledge who Jesus is, that he's Lord and Savior, and also being progressively stirred to walk in step with the Spirit. And so we talked about that faith equals belief, which is that internal acknowledgement of who God is, plus trust, which is an accordingly ongoing active response to that belief. Then that moved on to, once you, you're placing your faith uh, in that active response, is the Christian growth and maturity. Um, this is that, that, that sanctification idea. And so what is Christian growth or maturity or sanctification? It's the gradual process of deliberately walking in step with the Spirit to enhance every necessary detail of our spiritual nature until we become the complete version of who Christ designed us to be. And we put some subpoints with that. It's that further advancement or leveling up into our individual full potential, which comes through deliberate, gradual progress over time as we augment, enable, and tweak our spiritual nature thoroughly in every necessary detail by applying the details of Scripture to the details of our lives as we walk in step with the Spirit until we reach complete, excellent, perfectly sound, Christ-like character according to our design so that we may most fully love God and others, which will be rewarded in heaven. We also talked about love, which a lot of this was influenced by 1 Corinthians 13, obviously, but uh, the idea of uh, that Mark 12, 28 through 31 talks about is heart, soul, mind, mm-hmm. and strength. So the heart component, a strong emotional affection for, delight in, and supernatural affinity with, which is the Greek words heb and agape. Soul is that willful, committed, loyal devotion and covenant, covenantal faithfulness to, and that's uh, the Greek word kesed, which Romans 12, 9 through 19 talks about more. Oh, that's it's Hebrew. Just. Oh, Hebrews 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mind is an intentional disposition of always desiring good for one another and all people, and that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 through 15, and then also strength, an active, abundant, practical, and sacrificial contribution to well-being. Which we see in a bunch of passages. Uh, Then we unpacked glory and came to the realization that glory means a resplendent heaviness, it's this idea of like a glowing like heated metal in multicolored radiance with a substantive presence and with great worth and rank. Yeah. We see this like an exit or um, uh, Ezekiel and some of the visions there. And so given that, we know that the verb to glorify is to make something resplendently heavy or increase something's resplendent heaviness or to recognize, revel in, reflect and reveal God's resplendent heaviness. We also had a whole conversation on this idea of inner determinism, which I I will say I really would encourage you guys to go back and listen Mm -hmm. to that one. Obviously, all of them, but really, uh, that one really was special for both Shannon and I as we went through. But this is that spectrum concept that um, the reason that anything occurs is due to some combination of divine, angelic, human, and animal decisions and actions. So things that happen happen because of one of those different things, divine, angelic, human, or animal. And it can be irre- it can be irresistible or hard determinism or soft determinism, which is more of that influential type. It can be something that's actively done or passively done. Um, 
and there also can be this idea of randomness and all of those different things factor in and that exact combination and ratio is going to vary not only from situation to situation but also person to person and it depends on a wide variety of factors then we unpacked good and we know that biblically something is good uh, if it has an inherent value it can also mean something pleasing Good can also mean something beneficial, which is like the core point mm-hmm. that, that we keep coming back to. Or it can mean something right or straight or moral. We spent many hours talking about evil and sin, um, but the definition is that it's primarily a turning from God or his beneficial goods, and secondarily, a turning to something detrimental, which is uh, de- detrimental to you or to others. Then we explored suffering. And suffering, the definition is any degree of loss, damage, or pain leading to mental, emotional, or physical brokenness, anguish, or weariness. We also looked at the topic of prayer. And so there's really two different parts to this. First, it's communion with God, uh, and it's simply an intimate experience of his presence, connecting with him in a very real way, sharing time with him. And this is really without even the need for words. We see this in Psalm 62, 5 and 6, and also in Matthew 28, 20. And also prayer can be a conversation with God. So it's communion with God and also a conversation Mm -hmm. with him. Just that idea of that two-way dialogue, listening to him as he speaks and him listening to you as you speak, which we see in Job 40, 1 through 7. Then we did an episode on recovery, as far as the recovery process from suffering. And so we talk about recovery is after or in the midst of suffering. It's the process of moving to restoration and greater fullness. And part of that was the whole idea of grieving. Mm -hmm. And so we had the definition of grieving is to honestly feel, expressively mourn, and slowly release the pain caused by suffering. We also talked about patience and perseverance. And so this is choosing to allow and endure any kind of difficult thing, whether it's suffering, pain, tribulation, persecution, wrongdoing, temptation, sin, any of those sorts of things. And while you're doing that, you're remaining internally steadfast and undefeated without anger or complaint, and you're refraining from enforcing what may be do or right, and instead responding with understanding, tolerance, calmness, and acts of love, and you're doing this, you're persevering towards some greater good or benefit and rejoicing in those results. This is really hard not to... uh, Elaborate. Yeah, elaborate. want to comment on it. Yeah. Um, Then we did an episode on righteousness and and justice. And so what you have is you have... um, the, the concept of righteous and just, this is more of that be-do from the, from the be-do-have um, uh, lens. It's, it's, the, it's talking about character and behavior. It's doing what is right or making things right. Then you also have that righteous justified, which is more of the have or the status. That's having that right relationship or right standing with God due to your sin not being taken into account. For it's uncounted, it's erased, it's removed completely off your record, uh, making you innocent. That and this has even greater glory than the sin being counted against you. Uh, and so, so that's 
we will say one comment on that. Paul uses righteous and just interchangeably, but he uses it in two different ways. Mm-hmm. And so there's that the right standing or right relationship with God, and then there's that right behavior or making things right. Uh, and so you get contextually right you look at yeah. each other. Yeah. Uh, and then we also, in that study, we talked about, so what what is right? Um, right can mean something accurate or something true. It can mean something loving or good or beneficial. It can also mean having the authority to do or have something. We also talked about judgment and punishment. And so judgment is a careful discerning evaluation of how one is obeying or disobeying a beneficial command of God. And then punishment with that is visiting and addressing the results of a judgment. And so this also typically includes imposing some sort of loss, difficulty, or pain, or it could even be death in response to wrongdoing. Then we did grace. And grace is an umbrella concept. The the umbrella definition simply means showing favor to another. And we realized there was two types of grace. So the the main the main grace that that we're familiar with is delighting in another. And because you delight in another in sincere goodwill, freely offering them generous, beneficial gifts. This is fueled by your love for them. You're singling singling them out in delight, uh, and thus these are simply unmerited, awesome gifts. The second one that's, that's not quite as common is if you're pleased with another, then in sincere goodwill, you offer them generous, beneficial rewards. This is due to noticing their good actions or their good behavior or obedience. Thus, these are simply merited, awesome rewards. Thus, it is possible to seek and increase one, one's favor in another's eyes through good actions. And so what we realized is there is merited, uh, unmerited favor and merited favor. Mm-hmm. We also talked about mercy, which also has uh, two different components to it. There's compassion mercy and then forgiveness mercy. So compassion mercy is having an an affinity towards another, uh, the idea of cherishing, being sympathetically aware of their distress and actively, practically, and softly contributing to the alleviation of that distress. And what's important is this is for both the victim and the victimizer. It doesn't discriminate with who it is. We also have forgiveness mercy, which is restraint in the midst of being provoked, releasing oneself from any anger or resentment towards an offender, refraining from enforcing what may be due or right at the time, showing kindness by leniently pardoning and releasing them of any obligation of compensation or penance, extinguishing the offender's guilt as a result of God's atoning work, and then gaining or regaining goodwill and favor towards them. So there's a lot there, and we unpack all of that in that episode. And then the last one we did, just previous to this one, was the, the episode on anger, um, and then that also gets into hate. Those are two different concepts. So anger is a strong feeling of displeasure and agitation that results in active hostility or conflict toward the source, where hate is to regard something with great displeasure or repugnance that results in active aversion from. And so now that we've gone through all of those different different definitions, if you are listening to this for the first time and you haven't listened to all of those, you probably have some questions on why we came to those conclusions. So we really would encourage you, if you do have those questions, to go back, listen to those full episodes to figure out how we got to what we just went through. Yeah, and also, if, if this is your first time, um, I just want to encourage you, we have found so much... Uh, just awe and power and and wisdom and strength when you when you come to grips when when you pay attention and intentionally try to define a term yeah 
So sometimes people joke, you know, in, in my rekindling classes because they know that they say something and they know the next question that's going to come out of my mouth is now what's the definition for that or yeah. how do you define that? What do you mean by that? Uh, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. um, because we found it's actually really enlightening or illuminating process to, mm -hmm. what do I mean when I say that word and what you know and how obviously would the Bible define it and how can I align more with the biblical definition uh, of it rather than just my own or you know the American definition or whatever mm -hmm. um, all right so those so those are the definitions those are the givens uh, as we as we put all this together so what we're gonna do now is is we're gonna walk you through the puzzle um, the plan is, is so we have a, a whiteboard up right now with all of my chicken scratch on it. And we have like, a, it's almost like a flow chart that, that plays all this out. Um, and so we're going to walk you through that. The, the plan is actually to get Tori Doty, who's an artist, uh, to go ahead and draw this out. And then we'll actually upload that with the podcast so that you can have a visual, mm -hmm. uh, to track along as you, um, as you're doing this. And if for some reason when this gets uploaded uh, and I don't have that, then just message me and, and give me grief uh, <laughs> and tell me to, to make, to get it done and, and put it up there. All right. So what we, what, what, how does this look? What is this kind of flow chart that, 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 that this picture that we've drawn out? We start, you start with God. You always start with God. And we've kind of split this into two sections. The, the, the first part is internally, what do we know about God and, 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 and what God is like, kind of what's his attitude, his approach, his paradigm, et cetera. And then what is his behavior? So what does he do because of that? Mm -hmm. Now, little side note, we're actually working on a project right now called Know Thy God. And so if, if you're familiar with Rekindling, we, we, we have already developed Know Thyself. It's, it's one of the first things we developed. It's been around for 10 plus years. And, uh, and Know Thy Self is that actually season two. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we're in the process now of developing Know Thy God. It's probably going to take about a year just to build the class. And it's looking like the class itself is going to be like a 40-week class stretched out over the course of a whole year. And so we're going to uh, do season four for rekindling and season four is going to be know that God. And so if you live, if you live here in town in Lynchburg, you can take the class. Mm -hmm. If not, you can listen to the podcast. And so we'll start, that's probably still a year away before we start recording that. And then down the road a little bit, by the way, we're also going to do a know thy neighbor, which is about community and love and, and, and the body of Christ. And so we'll have know thy God, know thy neighbor, know thyself when this is all said and done. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, so with that, we've, we've been, I guess several months, we're several months into it. We are, yeah. Um, the research and, and putting together and we're trying to make it as comprehensive as we can. It's, it's overwhelming and, and exciting at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so with that, we're going to give you just a little teaser of, of some of the things that we've been researching. And when we roll the class out, um, it's, we're going to go more in depth. We're not going to go into depth in it now, but like, so like, for example, one of the things is we're going to talk about what does it mean that God is holy and perfect? Yeah. And then we're also going to talk about what are some of the metaphysical characteristics of God? So how, uh, some of those are just that he's eternal, he's omnipresent, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, he's the source of all reality, he has a triune nature, and he's glorious. We're going to get into his character and dispos disposition. So we're going to talk about that God is good, that God is love, that God is just and right, that God has a hatred of evil, but God is also patient with evil. We're also going to talk about God is always at peace. God is always uh, bounding in joy, and God also has that gentleness about him. And he also has different roles. He's creator, 
He's Lord, and he's also Father. We're going to look into his dynamic responses. So where his core is unchanging, his dynamic is actually responding to any given scenario. And so we're going to look at um, how he how he orchestrates things, which is the whole interdeterminism. We're also going to look at his grace and his favor, how he does things out of delighting for people, giving gifts and showing kindness. We're going to talk about how, how God teaches and guides. He also has this compassion mercy that he shows. Uh, He grieves and comforts people and he heals. And then we're going to get into his judging, whether he's marveling and affirming uh, your obedience and showing you that merited grace and favor and rewards, or he shows you the forgiveness and mercy when when you do sin, or that warning affliction removal, which we're going to get into more here shortly, um, and even like that retribution in Gehenna and the Lake of Fire one day. Yeah, and all of these different aspects come together, and they just paint a picture of a God that is incredibly faithful, seen through all of his different attributes. And he's also glorious. Like he does have this resplendent heaviness and we can see that through all of these different descriptions. And so be on the lookout for, uh, for that, that season four, uh, and hopefully someday some videos. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. So, so with, with all of those things, we've, we've, here in the season three, we've unpacked several of these, right? So we just went through some of those key definitions there. And so one of the things that we want you to realize, and again, you know, because this could be too, you just became a believer, Hmm. right? You just drank the Jesus Kool-Aid. There's a lot of things that you're going to spend the rest of your life and all of of eternity getting to know about God. What are some things that you want to know right up front? What are some foundational things? Mm -hmm. And so we mentioned, we, we want you to understand that God is good, that God is righteous, and that God is love. And remember the definition you gave, the heart, soul, mind, and strength? Yeah. We're talking about um, the heart, soul, and mind. And so so we can't elaborate. Um, this is hard. It is hard. But we want you to understand kind of like point number one is that God, that good, righteous love, those those that triangle, those three things, all go hand in hand that he wants to, to he wants us to experience benefit and he's going to do and he's he he just desires that right and beneficial things happen and he also is just and so he's just and he's loving and this is the strength and contribution to well-being sides of love uh, he also is gracious and shows favor and gifts and he does that all through just the spectrum of interdeterminism with some things being more um, hard, soft, hard, yeah. soft, just all of the different things that go into that discussion. And it's interesting to note here that there's not actually a tension between love and justice, which we have explained in the justice study. Right. So I love that phrase. He does things interdeterministically. Yeah. That's cool. Anyways, now, given that, that he, you know, at his core, his disposition is for others to experience beneficial good things. And so then he contributes and acts towards that. Mm-hmm. It does bring up that issue of the problem of evil um, and why does a good God allow all the evil and suffering? And that gets into our understanding that there's the prologue in the story and we're in the prologue now, the stories once once we get home to heaven um, and trying to explain there's there's actually God was purposeful and intentional in having a prologue first. And so that, that we are, are dust creatures in a messy, broken prologue. Mm-hmm. And so we go back to the evil sin, uh, episodes and we actually break down a theory. Yeah. What I think is a great persuasive theory on why God allows so much evil and suffering in this prologue. 
Yeah, and along with that, it's also important to keep in mind that um, God is extremely patient with sin. And while he is extremely patient, he also hates it. He grieves uh, the sin. And he also, uh, so he hates it. He has an aversion to it. He grieves it, all of the suffering that's caused to uh, yourself and others when sin's going on. But he still, is still patient with it. It's an interesting combination. Yeah. Um, to when you start putting all those together, um, and then he does actually atone for all the evil. So again, go back to the evil sin study, and we, we get into, and actually the forgiveness study also goes mm-hmm. into what exactly is atonement. It's that compensation for suffering, uh, or for being the victim of you know of, of any kind of uh, wrong or loss or or whatever. Um. So, so that that's that's what we want you to understand just about God. That's just brief. Mm-hmm. Given that God is good and righteous and love, and he and he's acting in these ways and in this behavior, and given these other notes about uh, sin and such, what does it mean for us? What what is God's intent? What is He expecting of us? So, given who God is, what's the main point of Christian living? And there's there's three, which comes from from First Corinthians twelve and thirteen, but the first one is simply hope, hmm. right? Go back to that definition, holding on to positive expectations, that God wants you to hope in Him. He wants yeah. you to hope that He's bringing about good things. It may be you know coming good things that haven't happened yet. It may be down the road. We don't mm-hmm. know how long that is, but that hope is gonna is gonna bring you that that comfort, that refuge. Yeah, and then uh, along with that hope we're going to be able to get the fullest version of that if we have actually have if we have faith and we've put our belief in who Christ is and we have that right standing we have salvation uh, in the seven stage journey one of the lenses from season 1 we talk about this is the boat riders mm-hmm. the, these are the people that have drank the Jesus Kool-Aid they have um, started that relationship with God and those people when you do have belief they are glorifying God, and what we mean by that is they're recognizing who He is, and they're reveling in that. Yep. So, so kind of like step one, realize that that Jesus offers hope. Mm-hmm. Step two, believe in that. Uh, step three is to act on it. Mm-hmm. And so, this is the trust part of faith. This is where the right behavior, the maturing, the sanctification comes in. This is the water walking stage of the seven stage journey. Um, this is where you're going to be the, the second part of glorifying God, which is reflecting his resplendent heaviness and then revealing it to others. This is where all those lenses that we did in season one eternal, internal, external, be, do, have, sweet and sour, spectrum, seven fold life seven steps to change this it's where they all come into play also you get to the wind walking stage of the seven stage journey which is you know finding your niche and your calling that's what know they self in season two is all about yeah and as we're doing those three those three things we're having faith we're believing and we're trusting god is expecting that we are going out into the world around us and we're loving we are doing beneficial things towards people we're making things right and being just um that is really the outpouring of being a mature follower of Christ is having those be characteristics that describe our life. 
So Paul mentions this, in, you know, in First Corinthians, that these three, these are the three that continue on: faith, hope, and love. Right, and the greatest of these is love. Mm -hmm. uh, John says, "All the law is summed up in this that you love one another." Right, all the, all those, the whole love episode. Yeah. Right, um, and so so place so realize that that Jesus offers hope. Place the belief, faith in Him. Let that start to move into the active trust part of faith, uh, and then and then now that you're doing that and you're getting stronger and you're leaning on Him more. Now you can go love mm -hmm. and all that that entails, right? Now, so that is, you know, what, is, what does God expect of his followers? Hope, faith, and love. Um, then a the, the uh, um, caveat. caveat comes in. You do have free will mm -hmm. to choose to obey or disobey. Uh, and so you can, you can choose to submit to God and, and hope, faith, and love, or you can choose to stray from him, which is that, that excuse me, the evil and sin. And so what God does is, is he carefully judges and evaluates uh, every moment along the way. I think a lot of times we think God's judgment doesn't come until the end times. Hmm. And in the judge, judgment study, it's a careful evaluation of whether one is obeying or disobeying. And that's actually ongoing moment by moment. Yeah, and as people, we do have the option to first obey, and hopefully that is what we're doing. Uh, some of the results of that is God actually marvels at what we're doing, that we are uh, being... We're aligning with his Yeah, we're parameters. aligning with his parameters. Uh, he affirms us for doing that. We see some of that merited grace and favor, and we also see future rewards come from obedience here on earth. If we don't obey, if we disobey... So this, this is kind of goes back to the whole elephant in the room that we kept been talking about. One of the things that we really believe that we've come to the conclusion to that was really powerful for us is understanding the role of punishment and realizing that it's restorative mm -hmm. first and foremost more than punitive or retributive. Yeah. And so the, what, is, what is restorative punishment? It's, it's inflicting some kind of affliction to whatever degree so that the person will come back to God and his beneficial goods and being mm -hmm. obedient, where a punitive or a retributive punishment is more of that harm for harm. Because you cause trouble, I'm now causing trouble to you. Where the restorative punishment is more, listen, you've been causing trouble, I need to get you back, and I need to kind of give you a wake-up call. Um, and so, so we, we spent a lot of time elaborating on this, and, and the way that we would explain this, and, and this could be for um, believers coming back to that faith, the trust part of faith, or it could be for non-believers coming back to the belief part of faith. Mm -hmm. um, this is also where Muddy Fields, which we have a whole episode on in, in season two, uh, actually... And season and one, season, I believe, and, yeah. and, season, yeah, and season one, and season three in The Evil. So we we, we <laughs> cover true. Muddy Fields a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, the, there's kind of three phases to this. And so the way, the way that we describe this is there's... So, so if you're being disobedient... What is God going to do? What is God's response to your disobedience? There's a phase one, mm -hmm. which is patient warning. And the way that we, and by the way, this, this is the general pattern that we see in scriptures. You will find exceptions to this, but this seems to be the general way that God does it. And so the way we describe it is imagine like a time, a timeline or time points from zero to 90. So if you sin at zero, then from zero to 90, that phase one, God is patiently warning you through conviction of the Holy Spirit, et cetera. He's trying to encourage uh, repentance. And if you do that, that's going to result in forgiveness, mercy, which we'll come back to. Um, and, and, as, and this is where some of that patience, justice 
tension comes mm-hmm. in that justice is a making of things right and patience is a refraining from enforcing what is right. So there's a little bit of tension, a little bit, a little bit of balance there. Yeah. But and so hopefully during this long period of time, God's just simply trying to get you to back. Hopefully you listen mm-hmm. and you come back, which is great. If you don't, then he moves to phase two. And so phase two, there's not a gradual moving from phase one to phase two. There's just phase one, and all of a sudden, boom, phase yeah. two. And it he ups the ante. Um, and this is that that more severe affliction. We were talking about um, he puts a submission hold on you, mm-hmm. trying to get you to tap out. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of that 91 to 99. Um, and, and But here's the deal. It is that he's he put a, he's now put it so there's the gentle warning and then in phase two he immediately puts you in this the submission hole to get you to tap out but the tapping out is actually the repentance still yeah he's just he's putting some sort of affliction on you some sort of famine sword whatever to get you to come back it's still not retributive it's it's still not that harm for harm punishment it's still wanting the repentance hoping that 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 you'll do that so that can result in the uh, forgiveness mercy and then we also talked with anger. And so you can go back to the anger study. Um, when he puts the submission hold on you, sometimes it's with anger, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just calmly. It's it's still an affliction, right? It still yeah. hurts, but he's not angry as he does it. Other times there may be the anger in there, but the anger is just that tool that's going to help with that process. Um, yeah, and with that, we said that there may be a difference pre-cross and post-cross, but we talk more about that in, in anger. In the episode, yeah. yeah. Um, now, and then, so then in that phase two from 91 to 99, if you still don't come around, then he moves to phase three, which is the 100, and that's that purging, that's the removing you off the chessboard, that's the knockout punch, where he's like, all right, so I've, we've tried all these things, you yeah. haven't come around, now I gotta take you out. Whether a believer or unbeliever, and, and we, we elaborated on that. And that may be done in anger and wrath, it may not be done. Um, and so so it, sends, it seems to be that when you disobey, when you sin, it'll vary a little bit between believer and non, but it seems that in general, when you disobey, God's gonna work through each of these three phases. Mm-hmm. The point of, of the first two phases is to try to get you to, to, to come back. Um, if that doesn't work, then he goes to, uh, to, to phase three. Um, down the road, there's that kind of f- f- phase four, which is the final phase, which is Gehenna, the lake of fire, and that is where the retributive uh, punishment may, you know, may come into play yeah. there. Um, also a note on this, because we're talking about God doing this, sometimes he does it directly through kind of these supernatural, miraculous type ways. A lot of times, though, he's going to delegate this authority um, to to humans, to these authority figures that he's established. That could be a government, that could be church leadership, that could be teachers, that could be parents, that could be employers or bosses. There's a, a, a number of different ways that that, that can play out. Uh, and there's also the non-authority individuals that might have a role in this as well. So how he delegates those three phases um, may vary depending on if he's dele- you know who, who he's delegating to. Yeah, and it's important to keep in mind through all of this, the point is repentance. And so the point of this is that we need to be thinking differently and acting differently. So Psalm 53 talks about three different um, components of what repentance looks like. Number one, it's grievingly acknowledging. Which, which Psalm, by the way? Psalm 51? 51, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's grievingly acknowledging that the wrong has happened. And then secondly, you need to be receiving his God's love and forgiveness because there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. 
And thirdly, we need to renew that steadfast spirit or David asked God to renew the steadfast spirit within him. And so a lot of times this is through discipline. This is through wind sprints. Um, this is a sour. It's a good thing that makes you wince. And all of this is still circling you back to faith and trust and maturing. And so that's what the repentance process and what all of this is all about. It's to get us to go deeper in our relationship with God and further down the path of becoming more like him. And one thing I will add to that. So remember how in, in the, when we did the sin, it was like six or seven different episodes. And mm-hmm. one of the episodes we were listing out all the sins. So here's, you know, if you don't do one of his commands or you do do one of his prohibitions, that's a sin. And we listed those. Yeah. Um, and, and so and when you see that list, you begin to realize you sin every day. Mm-hmm. I sin every day because I don't I don't avoid 100 percent of all the prohibitions and I don't actually go and follow through on 100 percent of all the commands. Yeah. Not, not even close. Right. So you come to grips with the fact, man, you sin every day. And so getting to, the, to this three step thing you just mentioned, it's actually something that I personally use on a, on a regular basis. So because I do sin all the time. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things is if I'm getting caught up in one of my muddy fields, you know, one of those tendencies that I have and I fall in that muddy field and, and I uh, don't do that command or I do do that prohibition. I actually, like I'll take a walk with ghost mm-hmm. and I'll actually walk myself through those three steps. And so I'm like, okay, so the first thing is I need to grievingly acknowledge, okay, Lord. So I did this sin, right? Yeah. I, t- I turned from you turn to something and else. I turned to something else yeah. and that was detrimental to me or another and it needs to bother me a little bit not not guilt you know yeah. or shame or anything but a little bit of that grieving conviction um, but usually if I'm if I'm doing this intentionally it's because I've already come to grips with that um, oh I'm so stupid I hate myself no 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 I can't hate myself yeah. but obviously I am upset that I just did that sin so then the step two is just fully receive God's love and forgiveness it's off the record I don't have to give an account for this I don't have to pay any sort of penance for this um, yeah. he took care of it on the cross it's done let's move on <laughs> um, and that, that takes a while sometimes right? Yeah. I, have to, I have to beat myself up no you don't and then, and then, so then step three is you do need to renew that steadfast spirit within you. Um, you need to get stronger so that you're ready for the next cycle, right, of the temptations. Mm-hmm. And we talked about in Psalm 51 there, he mentions two ways to renew the steadfast spirit, wisdom and joy. Um, and so when, after you sin, you grievously confess it, but it's off your record, uh, you find the freedom in that, then you should be having some wisdom, that skillful governance of what should you have done and what yeah. we do next time, et cetera. And then also weirdly, you should be pursuing joy right after you sin. Hmm. Uh, it sounds weird to us. Well, we don't deserve joy. Doesn't matter. That's not the point. Um, joy of the Lord is my strength. And so if I if I actually pursue joy, I'm going to get stronger, which will help me resist the sin. There's just a lot. Yeah, there really that. is a lot there. Yeah, and I wanted to, I wanted to uh, touch on that. Um, so then that does lead to the one rabbit trail that we are going to go on in this episode, which is biblical rebuke. And so I wanted to uh, explain this. Um, I remember as I really first, you know, after my prodigal son stage and I started getting back into scripture and seeing the color, right? Just the, the, the Bible come alive uh, as, as Missler and Alcorn and, and Eldridge and all these other guys were, uh, Crab, were showing me like how to actually approach scripture. And I was blown away by that. And then, you know, went to seminary and I started seeing more and more of these details. One of the things I learned in seminary was we disobey a lot. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of details that, that we, the body of Christ, uh, skip over. Mm-hmm. And one of those things was, was with biblical rebuke. 
And so what I typically saw in my own life or as I observed life of others was that, you know, when somebody sinned, other Christians took a pretty human approach um, to to um, rebuking that, you know, that that sinner. And a lot of times it didn't help. And, and I would hear justification that, you know, hey, I'm just, we're supposed to rebuke sin, so I'm just rebuking sin. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like there's a lot of details about how yeah. that's supposed to be done. So what I did was I poured through Scripture, focusing mainly on the New Testament, trying to find every passage that I could find that talked about biblical rebuke, that talked about how do you correct somebody that's in sin. Um, and then I put together this three-page really detailed step-by-step uh, process. And as I compiled it all and I looked at all of that, I, there was two things that I thought. One was, oh my gosh, this is powerful. This is influential. This <laughs> is, is persuasive. Yeah. If like someone was to actually work through that step-by-step process, you could actually see how you could change and restore some that sinner, that wrongdoer, back to right. Like that, this is like, yeah, like, like if I was sinning, and somebody walked me methodically through this entire three-page process, I probably would come around. That was the first thing I thought. The second thing I thought was, I've never seen this. Hmm. I was in my, I think, maybe mid to late, late late 30s when I first put together. And I'm like, so for three and a half decades on this planet, I've never actually seen anybody ever do the entire process. I have seen some really awesome Christians do elements yeah. of this uh, correct biblical rebuke. And I've also seen tons of not examples, <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that really that really got me. And so so we, you know, so we put together the document. So what we want to do right now is we want to walk you through each of these steps. And so this is going to be a little bit of a, of a time-consuming uh, process. Yeah. Um, but, but going back to that God's going to delegate sometimes um, part of this punishment process and this rebuke process, he's going to delegate it to governmental figures or church leaders or teachers or parents or whatever. Um, if you are in some sort of authority role, I really want you to pay attention uh, to this process. And we're going to quote scripture so you know the actual passages yeah. that, that we're talking about. The first thing that we want to say is, what are the vital primary things of just the faith in general uh, to always keep in mind? These things don't ever not apply. In other words, these things always apply. And so, <laughs> so before you're about to rebuke or correct somebody, you need to go back and do this little checklist for yourself. First thing is, Mark 12, 29 to 31 says, you need to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so what that means is, is you need to ask yourself, right now, am I, um, do I have this emotional delight in God? Am I covenantally committed to him? Do I have this proper disposition towards him as I'm trying to understand him? Uh, and am I trying to contribute to his well-being somehow? Secondly, we need to ask ourselves, are we loving our neighbor, which is fellow believers, non-believers, and our enemies in the way that we should, especially as laid out in 1 Corinthians 13? So what does 1 Corinthians 13 say? We need to be patient. We need to be refraining from enforcing what is due at the time. We need to be kind. We need to actually be useful to whoever this person is. We need to not be rude. This is not behaving unseemly or unbecomingly, but we need to actually behave in a in an appropriate manner at all times. We need to not be easily angered, which is 
even being exasperated or stirred. Or irritated. And, yeah, or irritated. Instead, we need to be soaked in this spirit-given peace and joy. We also need to keep no record of wrong. We need to blot out and erase the sins of others in the same way that God is blotting out and erasing our sin. We see this in Isaiah 43, 25 and Hebrews 8, 12. We need to be consistently protecting and bearing up. We need to be edifying the other person, not condemning them. We also need to be consistently trusting and believing and relying on God to contribute to their well-being. We also need to be consistently hopeful for the best uh, in our individual situation and also in future situations. And we need to be consistently persevering and enduring. And so uh, most of the times that means that we're not going to be fighting or fleeing. And so not only moment by moment should I be loving God, not only moment by moment should I be loving my neighbor, Thirdly, I should also be walking in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5, one of the most powerful chapters in the entire Bible, in, in my opinion. I need to be walking in step, which is a whole can of worms, what does that mean, right? But I need to be walking in step with the Spirit and then and then that let, let myself be drenched in love and drenched in joy and drenched in peace, as well as patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and temperance and faith. In addition to those three things... Uh, we need to live in a be-do-have fashion. So we need to be focused on internal Christ-like character first, which will allow us to in turn have proper behavior and will also let us steward the resources that God has provided to accomplish those actions. So, so why do we say you should be reminding yourself to be doing those four things? Because if you're doing those four things, you're more aligned with God in the moment and more wisdom uh, and more proper heart and and attitude Mm -hmm. and such. You're going to make less mistakes in the rebuke process. And also, as believers, that's just how we're supposed to be living. Right. And Not just with rebuke. Yeah, and this is where the details of the Bible can affect the details of our lives. And that goes back to even the, 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 the water walking and the seven-stage journey and all those training areas yeah. that you want to be, be developing. So, yeah, so those things always apply, right? So, given that, what happens when I see someone doing something that I disagree with? Notice how he intentionally phrased that question. It's not, okay, given that, how do I rebuke? Hmm. It's very particular. Uh, what happens when I see something, someone doing something I disagree with? You can't yet assume that it's wrong and a rebuke is necessary. It may just be that you're disagreeing, right? Um, so, so step one, and we're going to repeat ourselves on purpose here. Step one, so, so if you see somebody doing something that you disagree with, Step one, positively ensure that you're walking in step with the Spirit, asking God to overwhelmingly drench you in that true, pure, agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, temperance, and faith. Not some, not one or two, all. And after we are actually walking in step with the Spirit, then we can use spiritual discernment to narrow down the details of the situation. So one of the questions we want to ask is, is this behavior that we disagree with outside biblical parameters or simply outside of our personal preferences? And there is a large difference between Mm -hmm. those two things. While we're doing this, we need to think of 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 14. Is this a scriptural is this a scriptural parameter that is a area of freedom that it's, those two passages talk so about so is is it a scriptural parameter matter or a freedom area 
Yes. Yeah. Figure out the difference. Is it something that scripture actually does have a clear position on, or is this an area where people get out freedom? That's a good, good clarification there. If it is a freedom area, area, then what you actually need to do is not be rebuking the person. You need to ask God for the grace and humility to simply accept the behavior Mm -hmm. because it's not going against what scripture teaches. So this is an area of preference. We need to um, be unified with them and have grace and humility. If it is something that scripture is uh, scripture teaches on, then we need to ask God for an agape attitude, having that love, spiritual wisdom, and then proper behavior as we keep going. And and one little note on that, um, given everything that's been happening lately in politics, hmm. uh, I had a conversation, I had several conversations with people recently, and there's it's very easy to jump to... Um, like, like you have a personal preference and you label it scripture. Yes. So you say, yeah, Oh no, no, this, so I know, uh, I'll just say it, uh, that, that joining this political party is the right thing that, that a true Christian is going to align with, hmm. with X or Y political party. Nope. You're not going to see that in scripture. Yeah. Um, that's still a personal preference. I know you really want to make an argument for why that is a scriptural parameter, and it's it's just a small jump, right? Nope, it's still a jump. It's actually much bigger than than you than you realize. Yeah. So you need to stick with the details of scripture and be really careful about making those like 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 taking that next step or that jump and just concluding it's all one and the same. Yeah, because one other thing before we cycle back to what we're going through that I do want to say here is that a lot of times we have a tendency to say that scripture clearly teaches mm-hmm. things that scripture doesn't actually clearly teach. And so it is important that we aren't just, one, listening to what we've heard, and two, we are actually pouring through Scripture to figure out what it says on different issues before we start putting labels of, no, it's clearly taught mm-hmm. this way or that way. So in as you're using that spiritual discernment, and the first question you ask is, all right, so this is this a, a true biblical parameter thing or is this a personal preference thing? The second question you want to ask is, is this other person that I'm watching, this, this wrongdoer, are they a believer or a non-believer? Uh, if the person is a non-believer, your goal really is, number one, just to love them. Yeah. And then number two, reflect, show, and share the beauty and majesty of Christ. Um, it's trying to invite them into the boat. Mm-hmm. And, and really, it's only after they've sincerely committed to Christ that they can best obey his commandments that love really does precede obedience. I, I uh, Craig has challenged me in a good way on this, that I used to say you can't hold the island dwellers to the boat rules. Um, you have to wait till they get on the boat before you can in, enforce the boat rules. And, and he had talked about how, no, no, God still has these rules even for the, this is seven states journey, right? Yeah. Reason. yeah. But even, even the island dwellers. And so that, that was a good point. Um, and so I could say is having said it, so yes, maybe we can enforce God's rules on the island dwellers, but they're best going to obey it if they're on the boat. So you still want to encourage them to get on the boat first and accept Jesus before you really start enforcing that. Yeah, because like the government will set up rules that they need to be following because just as part of that. But we can't expect unbelievers to be applying the details of the Bible to the details of their life. Yeah. So 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 if if the wrongdoer is a non believer, keep that in mind. If the wrongdoer is a fellow believer, your goal is number one, still the same, love on them. And then number two, restore them. And that, that becomes a key component of all the rest that we're gonna get into here is this is the rebuke is it's always a restorative rebuke, not a punitive rebuke. Mm-hmm. Um so let's so now now we're in the scenario. 
um, that how do I scripturally restore a fellow believer? So I'm in an authority position, um, and some fellow believer is doing wrong. Um, what are the steps that I'm supposed to do in that biblical rebuke? So step one, this may sound familiar, positively ensure that you're walking in step with the Spirit, asking God to overwhelmingly drench you in true, pure, agape love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, temperance, and faith. In addition to that, once you're actual, when you're positively sure that you are walking in step with the Spirit, then what you actually need to do is you need to check yourself and confess, repent of, and work to cease any sin in your own life. This is really based off of Matthew 7, 3 through 5, which is the passage that talks about the speck of sawdust in your own eye and the plank, mm-hmm. or um, the plank in your own yeah, eye. Yeah, why do you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a plank sticking out of your own? Yep. And what that's, um, most of us read this as planks are the big sins in life, such as adultery or abortion or drunkenness or fill, I mean, really fill in the blank with whatever <laughs> the big sin is to you. Right. Um, and then, so we say planks are the big sins and specks are the small sins in life. So that's a little white lie. It's just gossip, you know, an unkind heart. Um, and so what the conclusion is based on that line of thinking is you can ignore your own minor issue as you point out another person's major issue. The thing is, though, that's not what Scripture seems to be teaching. Because in the Scripture, we have gone through and we've listed all of the different sins in previous episodes. Mm -hmm. And there is not a list of plank sins and speck sins. There's just sin. Mm -hmm. There's just turning away from God and his beneficial things into something else. And so, in fact, this passage appears to say that whatever sin you're in that's affecting you is a plank. And whatever the sin that your sibling in Christ is going through is a speck. And so planks become the sins that I do, and specks are the sins that others do. And this really does flip the script. Mm-hmm. Um, we mm-hmm. really do need to be sincerely working on our uh, minor sin, quote-unquote, before we can talk and we can exhort our brother concerning their major sin. Quote, right. And, yeah, and because there's not the different levels, as we were saying, because it's yeah. turning away from God. But the so, way this works out is our sin is major because it's our sin right. that we're working through, and we need to address it because it's ours. So a lot of times we want to kind of downplay our little minor sin, yeah. and it's more important to get to their major sin, when the reality is whatever sin I'm dealing with, it's that's the major one. Yeah. And whatever sin they're dealing with, it's the minor one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so, and oh, by the way, with that, that doesn't mean that you can't rebuke somebody until you've stopped hmm. sinning. Yes, that's it, a good it, point. The, the, the taking the plank out of your own eye does not mean that you have, must cease from all sin before you can rebuke, because then there there never be any rebuke. Yeah. It's the idea that is that you're consciously, intentionally working on your own current sins, whatever they may be, uh, as, you know, the, as you try to take the, the speck out of theirs. Um, all right, so then, so once you're now taking that plank out of your own eye and, and you're working on your sin first, um, being drenched in the Spirit, embodying His love and peace and joy, etc., and sincerely working to uh, to eliminate you know your own planks, now you're ready to exhort your sibling in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is where the Galatians six comes in about if um, you know if someone's caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. What I love about that one is. 
a lot of people want to define, well, you who are spiritual means you who are saved. So, 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 if, if, so if you catch somebody in sin, you who are saved should call them out. No. Contextual. Hmm. What is Paul saying? This is Galatians 6.1. When Paul says that you who are spiritual, he's referring to the previous chapter, chapter 5, you who are walking in step with the Spirit yeah. that's drenched in love, agape, joy, peace, patience, etc. Not just saved. Um, so we have to read that contextually. So you who are drenched in the, uh, the or walking in step with the Spirit, drenched in all that fruit, and are taking the plank out of your own eye, you are the one that should seek to restore uh, uh, the brother. And it says there, but first, test your own actions and make sure that you aren't tempted to sin uh, as you do the restoring. So that kind of reiterates the, the plank and, and, and the intentionality there. Yeah, and then the second step in this is we're actually supposed to bear our siblings' burden and share in their grief and struggles. And so as you're doing this, number one, you want to remember that many sins are committed as a response to or a lashing out from some struggle or trial. So this is the idea that hurt people hurt people, mm-hmm. um, that it doesn't excuse the fact that they sin, but it is helpful to recognize that it normally is out of some sort of brokenness that this is actually happening. And so if we are understanding their trials by bearing with them, we can better understand why they're sinning, which Um, Again, this doesn't justify their sin. It just helps us as we come alongside them, and so we can restore them more effectively. So, so think about that for a second, because kind of what we're saying is, like, to to, to simplify this or summarize is, there's there's two big things right here. One is that you're walking in step with the Spirit in that moment, Mm -hmm. Um, and two, you're seeking just to bear their burdens with them. Yeah. And so if you're not walking in step with the Spirit in the moment and you're not bearing their burdens with them, you can't go to the third step. And that takes time. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. So one of the things that comes from this is the you slow down how quick to rebuke you are. Mm-hmm. So if you're walking in step with the Spirit and you're bearing the burdens, now you can begin to restore. And so this is the thing of like Romans 14, 19, Ephesians 4, 11 to 17. What does it mean to restore your brother gently? It means to edify and build up and make stronger. So we have to keep in mind, we've talked a lot about this before. Our, our job is not to stop the sin of the world. It's to show a better way in Christ. Mm-hmm. This is that solution-focused counseling that I, that I always talk about. Yeah. And so it's not about not sinning. It's about replacing that sin with biblical behavior or countering the sin with biblical behavior. It's not enough just to, to, to uh, cease it. We must turn back to God and dance with him, right? Part of this whole passionate thing that we're always talking about. And so remember, remember those two stages to, to sin. That first, it's a turning away from God and facing in, in some other direction. And then second, it's performing that sinful act or behavior now that we're turned away. And so to focus on not sinning doesn't actually address the real problem, which was the turning away from God. If we stop the sinful behavior only, we're still facing away from God, and we're just going to turn to some other sinful behavior. So the primary goal is to turn back to God, to face Him, pursue Him, dance with Him, and it's in doing that that's going to lead us to stop the sinful behavior. So when we restore... It's not about getting the person to stop the sin. It's about getting them to turn more f- to to more fully pursue an intimate relationship with Christ, finding their satisfaction in Him, knowing that that is what's going to aid them in the cessation of the sinful behavior. Yeah, and a lot of times as we're going through this process, we read that verse and we see that we're supposed to restore gently, 
And what we do a lot of times is we redefine restore and we eliminate gently. Mm. And so we think that to restore means to point out the wrongs and condemn them for those wrongs. And we think that gently is optional, especially if the sin that they're doing is super bad. Um, and so what, what does that combination looks like? It looks like speaking the truth without any sort of love, mm-hmm. which is not what we're supposed to be doing. What we're supposed to be doing is actually restoring people. And so we're not condemning them and we're not, um, and we are doing this in a gentle way. And so this is us gently and patiently edifying people. It's building them up. That is what restoration is all about. This was really eye-opening. I remember the first time I started putting all this together. Because, um, again, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. This is actually what's going to change. Well, this is what's. This is going to increase the likelihood yeah. of the person repenting. Mm-hmm. Um, it just requires a, more time, more effort, more humility, yeah. you know, et cetera. And we, we, we want to take the quick way. And I got really convicted we shouldn't be taking the quick way, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if you do all those things... It does increase the likelihood of the person repenting. So if we do those things properly, and then our sibling sincerely repents, then we're to fully, lovingly, unconditionally accept them. Hmm. Uh, remember that it, that if we sin regarding the restored gently part, we're actually hindering uh, our sibling from becoming, you know, more more repentant. Um, so so yeah. So if they if they repent then just fully welcome welcome them back. Um, we, we need to be the father in the prodigal son story, not the elder brother. Uh, we need to remember that forgiving entails forgetting. Hmm. Uh, and we need to remember that we're called to do this no matter how many times, um, it, it, you know, 70 times 7. That's, yeah. that's uh, Matthew 18. And so if, some, if our sibling does repent, that's great. Uh, we have our restored relationship. We can move forward. But... Matthew 18 tells us that that's not always the case. And if that doesn't happen, then we're, we are to bring two other Christians in and repeat this same process. So the exact same attitude, walking in step with the Spirit, both of us, and um, both of the two people that are now coming have to go through all of these steps individually before they can come together and help you try and bring this person towards repentance. So this is not like you go through all the super intentional tough stuff, and then if it doesn't work, you just bring two others, and now you go to the rebuke. Yeah. It starts over again. Hmm. And all three of you, just what you said, Zach, that they need to be walking in step with spirit, getting drenched with all that fruit. They need to be taking the planks out of their own eyes. They need to be bearing the burdens of. um, And then given all that, then they can move to restore gently by helping them, you know, what is the proper behavior, helping them find the intimacy and satisfaction in God, helping them counter the bad behavior, that, that it's now the three of you are now doing that. And it seems like, you know, again, imagine that, imagine this in real life. And so somebody was in, in some sin. And, and so some mature believer comes along and was doing all those things. That would be awesome to watch in action. Mm-hmm. And there's a good chance the person would come around. But let's say for whatever reason, the person is just so knee-deep in their, in their stubbornness or their pride or, or whatever it is that's going on. Then, then that first mature person goes and grabs two other mature people. And then they also go through the entire process and the whole thing is repeated. You're like, wow. Then you'd really think that that, that wrongdoer is really going to be persuaded. And a lot of times they will at that point. Yeah. Um, but let's say if for some reason the this is still Matthew 18, the sibling still doesn't repent. 
then what are you supposed to do? Then it says that you're to bring them before the whole church in the exact same attitude as before. Everyone in the church must go through all the above steps on their own before they can aid in that restoration. Now, keep in mind, contextually, the churches were smaller, right? These yeah. were like home churches. So I don't think, practically speaking, that would mean, let's say, like, you know, we, we go to a thousand person church, that you wouldn't bring that person, the wrongdoer, before all thousand people. Yeah. The idea, like, you know, with, with the way our church gospel com- community does, the, there's the community groups. And so the idea there is that, that you would bring, you know, first you went, then you brought two other mature people, then you would sit them before the whole community group. Or if the person's not in a, in a community group, maybe you sit them before the elders of the church, you know, but it, so it's still a, a somewhat smaller group but you're still talking um five six seven eight nine ten a dozen yeah maybe 15 or 20 people but here's the deal all of them must now go through that entire process of being walking in step the spirit being drenched in the fruit taking the planks out of their own eyes bearing the burdens of that wrongdoer and then seeking to restore them by helping them find satisfaction in jesus Mm -hmm. and and get the intimacy with him and helping counter that behavior right then but so then imagine all of them coming together hopefully that would be enough for them to come around and one thing that i do want to just take 30 seconds to elaborate on and I'm going to put you on the spot with this is because we keep saying that we need to be walking in step with the spirit in order for this to happen. And so I do think it would be helpful to what does that actually look like in a nutshell (sighs) for people as they're going through this process, because we've mentioned it quickly a couple different times and it really is just such an integral process or just an important part of this whole process because if if you're not doing that right then you're not going to be able to do any of this correctly and so i guess how would you in a 30 second nutshell how would you define that uh okay 30 seconds i'd say two things one in galatians 5 and 6 paul talks about how now that we have life in the spirit let us be let us be in step with the spirit or let's be led by the spirit so we have to understand that this walking in step with the spirit is not a salvation thing it's something beyond that Mm -hmm. now that we have the salvation with the spirit residing within us let's be led by the spirit so the second thing is is what does that mean i would if the short answer would be equating uh led by the spirit or walking in step with the spirit with prayer Okay. So this would go back to the whole prayer episode that it's that communing with God and then communicating with him. And this this opens up a whole can of worms as far as it's basically letting the spirit speak to you in the moment and letting the spirit guide you and tell you what to do. And I realize it's a whole can of worms with how God speaking to you, but that that's what I would say. I bet that'd be my short answer. Yeah, and I also like um, something that you talk about at different times is walking in step with the spirit is the spirits underneath the water as we're water walking, yep. providing handholds for us to walk on as we move forward. And so just paying attention to where he's guiding us and going in that direction. And this would also include like knowing scripture well, what scripture applies in this, this situation, et cetera. Yeah. And so if you get through those different stages of you going by yourself, you going with a couple others, and then the whole church coming together, and this brother in Christ still is not repenting, then um, kind of the tone shifts here mm-hmm. in Matthew 18. And what you're supposed to do is we're actually supposed to cast them out from the body um, and have nothing to do with them until he repents. So that's Matthew 18 and Titus 3. And then once he does repent, and, we, and, well, go ahead, go ahead. Um, then he is to be fully, joyfully, lovingly, and exciting, excitedly restored just like in the prodigal son story, the father, not like the brother. And so um, 
and something that I do think is helpful with this because this was always something that didn't make much sense to me. Excuse me, going through and reading this because there's all of this just patient restoration, walking in step with the spirit, doing all these different things, and then it's cast them out from the body and have nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. Like it's very stark. And I actually heard a pastor talk about what this could be referring to as you're going and you're treating them because I believe it the way Matthew words it is like a pagan Mm -hmm. or um, really an unbeliever. And so if someone has gone through all of these different steps and you've been patiently trying to restore them and they haven't responded, it's probably because they're not a believer. And so then what you should be doing is you should be reaching out to them. You should be trying to bring them to Christ because they haven't repented, but they probably haven't repented ever in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't saying shun people from the church and don't interact with them. What it's saying is you need to change the way that you're seeing how they are in their how they are in their situation because it's not an issue of they are in disobedience to Christ as a believer. They're just in disobedience because they're not a follower of Christ. And so the tone has shifted because it's going from a family, um, a family issue of restoration to trying to bring someone into the family. And I think that that's a really helpful distinction with that. Yeah. And this lines up with the whole kind of like phase one, zero to 90 is the patient warning. And then 91, 99 is that severe affliction. This is also a lesson in the importance of wisely and contextually um, understanding Scripture. Mm-hmm. So in those passages where Paul says, you know, and have nothing to do with them, or you treat them uh, like a, you know an unbeliever, or you, uh, I think, and there's another one of his letters, he says, I'm going to hand them over to Satan so that, and it's still, it's still that restorative nature. Yeah. So if you come into that passage alone, and we see people do this, then they're very quick to cast somebody out of the church mm-hmm. um, because of that person's sin. And they say, look, we're just doing what the scripture told us to. The scripture said, cast them out. So we cast them out. But my thing, you know, my the rekindling approach is to look comprehensively at scripture with yeah. anything, yeah. including biblical rebuke. And it's like, yeah, that is one of the steps, but it's the last step hmm. after a whole bunch of other stuff has already happened. And so you can't jump to that. You got You got to be applying, you know, all of these things. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's the steps. And, and, and like you said, at any point, any one of those stages, the, the believer does come back. It's a full restoration. All, all God really wants is for them to, to admit, right. To, to, well, it goes back to grievingly acknowledge, Mm -hmm. uh, and then receive the forgiveness and love and then, and then seek to, to renew that steadfast spirit within themselves. Yeah. And so a lot of times once, like once they do repent, we, we bring them back in, but we put them on some kind of probation. Hmm. And no, I, I don't see any probation anywhere in, in Scripture. If, if you're doing this the right way, then it's going to include that renewing of that steadfast spirit, and it all just lines up. Mm-hmm. So that's our, that's our point on, uh, on, on biblical rebuke. Um, so coming back to the, the outline here. So we've been talking about um, so you know the, this hope and faith and love, and then we have the free will to do that or not. If we do it, there's the rewards, and God gets to marvel. If we don't do it, then He goes through kind of these three phases of uh, restorative punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times delegated through you know uh, humans, and the point of all of that is the repentance. Yep, which which you've been talking about. So so that's that's something to know. Next thing then is what if I'm the victim of wrongdoing what if i'm on the receiving 
uh, end of of somebody sinning? What if I'm suffering because of the sin or evil of another? Um, what should we keep in mind? And so the first thing would be to figure out flight, fight, persevere. So this goes back to season one. Mm-hmm. We also discussed this in the patience and perseverance uh, episode, I think, with Andy. Uh, and so we're not going to go into that here. But when you're in some bad situation, you need to ask, Lord, do you, am I supposed to flee and get away from this? Am I supposed to fight it and try to resist it and overcome it and defeat it? Or am I supposed to persevere, which simply means to sit in the midst of it and let it happen? to yeah. me but get stronger through it mm-hmm. so that that's that's kind of the first step is you, you need to figure out what god's calling you to do in the moment on that yeah and the second part of this is the recovery process and so you can really just plug and play i uh, the two-hour podcast that we did on grieving and recovery um but kind of to just summarize some different components of that with the recovery process we need to walk with god counselors and others so this isn't something that we need to go through uh by ourselves. we don't need to just pick ourselves up from our bootstraps and move forward we really are meant to have community and that's really what the point of that is first and foremost with god because he is where we're going to be able to find true comfort and healing and restoration and just all of those different factors but also having someone trained to actually talk to us mm-hmm. and help us work through things, hopefully from a biblical perspective, and then just the community of believers around us. Secondly, we need to see rightly. So we need to have an accurate understanding of what's actually going on. And that will allow us to move into climbing the rope ladder of recovery. So we said that there's... Um, many different steps to this. They could be in different orders depending on the situations, but to just kind of list some of those off, that's grieving. It can be being comforted and receiving just that balm of encouragement, uh, achieving peace, embracing hope, finding joy in the current situation, receiving strength. Uh, It also uh, could be repenting or atoning if we had a part in what was going on. Yep. And I do encourage people to go back to that episode mm-hmm. on grieving and recovery it's it's i know it's been powerful for me yeah um so so if you're if you're suffering if you're the victim of uh of some kind of wrongdoing figure the flight fight persevere about uh, flight fight persevere out then go through the recovery process everything zach was just saying and then another thing that you need to do is you do need to be loving and forgiving the wrongdoer mm. um you need to be trusting in God for the compensation and for any retribution. So remember that definition, that forgiveness, biblical forgiveness is moving the responsibility for compensation and uh, retribution off of the wrongdoer onto God. Yeah. It's a huge trust issue there. Um, so, and, and it also includes a regaining a goodwill toward the wrongdoer. Um, and then potentially reconciling. So one of the things we've talked about is there is a difference between having sincere goodwill toward and reconciling. Mm -hmm. And so it seems that as the victim, you really, as the mature believer, you really want to do get to the place that you have a sincere goodwill towards that wrongdoer. That does not automatically mean that you're supposed to be reconciled. Yeah. Whether, so, so whether they repent or not, whether they come around or not, um, you're still supposed to have goodwill toward them. Really, really difficult, but that's what that's what that's what God does for us, and that yeah. we should emulate that. 
the reconciliation can is only two, it's two way. You know, it, it requires both. So the reconciliation can only occur if the wrongdoer is sincerely uh, repenting and renewing that steadfast spirit, etc. And even that has some qualifications on it that, that we went through in the episode. Yeah, because what we mean by reconciliation there is really restoring that relationship. And so you can't restore a relationship with another person if they don't want the relationship right. restored. Right. So you need to do uh, your part. To move towards that, but you can only do so much if the other person is unwilling. Yeah, you need to be willing to move to the reconciliation table. Yeah. Yeah. And so just a note with this, if you're the one that's observing someone that is suffering and you're coming alongside them, and uh, this does vary from situation and per- situation to situation and person to person, but one of the primary things that you need to be doing as you come alongside someone who's suffering is you need to be present and be useful to them. And so that's going to be different for different people, but really just the power of community and being with someone in their time of suffering. This is, um, we're going to get to here. The second step is really, this is bearing their burdens and grieving with them. This is offering comfort. And while you're offering comfort, this is really a part of being useful. Um, you want to avoid platitudes and comparing and so you don't want to compare what someone is going to to something that you've gone to unless you have actually gone through a similar situation mm-hmm. um, a lot of times we make very bad comparisons yeah for yeah. example comparisons to pets always a bad idea uh, unless their pet has died and so i right. guess not always but just be very aware um, of the danger of comparison because that's really not helpful is yeah. what that boils down to and so um as you're doing that, you hunt to help them see rightly and help them heal and recover. And a lot of times in suffering, it's easy to offer uh, just platitudes and verses such as all things work together for good for those who love God. Yes, that is true. That is scripture. It's inspired by God. And that is um, true. But we need to make sure that we're not pursuing what that we're saying those things at the right time. Right. Um, and so that's the picture mm-hmm. that you have, you know, understanding that God is good and righteous and love. And so he's acting on that. Um, he's trying to make things right over time. Is that obviously a complicated thing. Yeah. Um, tying in the problem of evil and all that. And so because God is this good, loving, righteous God, and he's, he's over time making things right and, and creating benefit for us, uh, what should we do with that? We should we should hope in that, right? We should cling and find refuge in that, mm-hmm. and we should believe in Him, and then we should begin to actively trust in Him and grow and transform, so that we're best able to love. Yeah. Um, and if we obey and do that, things there's all kinds of cool things that happen. If we uh, if we disobey, then there's that whole kind of three phase uh, process of uh, that biblical rebuke and restoration, trying to bring the person back. Mm-hmm. Um, and if then it works in the repentance, then great. And you just kind of you know get ready for the, the next cycle. Uh, it, or if you're on the receiving end um, of the sin of another, then the process that we just we just said we kind of went through, and pretty much just keep doing that until this prologue ends. Uh, and so yeah. so keep clinging to that hope 
Keep, you know, keep believing, keep putting the act of trust, keep loving, uh, keep obeying. When you do sin, just repent and come back. If you're on the receiving end, patiently endure and go through and recover and grieve and go through all that. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're supposed to do uh, until this prologue ends. And then, and then when this prologue ends, um, there's the judgment day and that whole can of worms. Uh, but either you then head into the eternal kingdom and that the whole heaven study that we did, uh, or you head down to Gehenna, the lake of fire, and some of the stuff that we've, we've talked about that. Um, and that's, that's the quick snapshot mm-hmm. of all this. And so that goes back to the, the benefits that we talked about at the beginning of if, if you're doing this, if you're trying to grasp who God is and what he's doing, and then you're placing your hope and faith in him and you're loving him and self and others, um, and obeying and repenting. If you're doing all these things, then it makes sense when we look at those benefits that we talked about. Yeah, and so first and foremost, God is going to be pleased. He's going to marvel that you actually are going through and doing things the way that he's designed it to be. And then others are going to be impacted and benefited by this. That if you're behaving this way, you're going to be encouraging others and strengthening others. You're going to be, be a better understanding others. It also is going to help our intimacy with God. We're going to grow closer to him and grow more reliant on him as we actually move through all of these different processes. And this is going to make you resilient. It's going to make you thick-skinned. Things are going to bounce off you more. Mm -hmm. And all of these different things lead to future rewards for being obedient through these processes. So how do I do this? Like, what's, what's the next step? Um, you know, and again, this was just kind of a, a, a boom, boom, boom episode of like listing all the major points without elaborating and everything. But as far as like, Hey, I'm in, I, I do want to understand who God is and what he's doing. And I want to ha- have hope in that and faith and love and everything we just, we've been saying, how do I go about doing that? You and I both believe Zach, that the primary thing is scripture. Mm-hmm. So we use this phrase of, you know, applying the details of the Bible to the details of our life, of letting the Bible paint the picture that it wants to paint. Um, you know, some of the other groups and studies that, that I do, you know, we go through the books of the Bible. That's going to be eventually, I think, is season five. I think is, is that's the hope is we're going to start working through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? Job, Revelation, and go through all those. But just get back into scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why, we, we, you know, in, at least here in Lynchburg, we've been developing these groups to walk you through the scripture. Um, that's what this whole unpacking season three was about. Um, but just dive into scripture and, and let it guide you. Yeah. And secondly, we really do just need to be drenching ourselves in prayer. So we need to be spending that time uh, just sitting with God and also talking with him and just going through and making sure that our relationship with him is primary throughout all of these different things. And the way that we can really foster obedience is through community. We weren't meant to go through any of this by ourselves. Uh, We are supposed to have the body of Christ around us, and we can all be encouraging each other to actually be doing all of these different things. And so those are the three big pillars, Scripture, prayer, and community. Um, also this would be a place to keep in mind the seven steps to change. Mm -hmm. And so we won't elaborate on that, but step one is you have to have some kind of dissonance, uh, or dissatisfaction. Uh, and then step two is you find that resonating solution that, that, that really, uh, you connect with. And then step three is get all the information and details you can about that resonating solution. And then step four is you make the decision, whatever change it is that you need to be doing. Uh, and then step five, once you made the decision is you begin applying it, uh, actually doing it step six is you're going to tweak and adjust 
that that solution to kind of work what's best for you. And then step seven is just repetition uh, until it becomes the new habit. Mm-hmm. So the other thing I'll say is keep in mind, this is not everything. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, like we said, this is not the final episode of season three. Um, we're actually going to be moving into the next episode that we're going to do is fear. We're going to talk about fear the Lord and, 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 and fear not and what, what all that means. We're going to unpack humility. We're going to get into knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and counsel. We're going to unpack peace. We're going to unpack joy. We're going to unpack power and strength. I think we're going to do an episode on spiritual gifts. Uh, and then we're also going to do an episode on leading and following. I'm pretty pumped about that one. And I hope, hopefully down the road, we're also going to do one on, on gentleness and, and temperance. And so what e- these are more pieces to the puzzle mm-hmm. that will then get added to what this, this picture, the simplified picture that, that we've, we've just been painting. Yeah. Cause kind of the visual I have with this is, um, have you seen those anatomy books that it starts off with the skeleton and then mm-hmm. you flip over transparency of like the muscles and then the next thing that's kind of what we're doing yep. is we're yep. going through and we have a skeleton and then we're starting to put some of these different layers on to see what this whole picture looks like. And so we do have a lot of detail now, but there's even more layers that still need to be put on. Um, I also say, you know, cause we're very intentional on which one, which ep, what, what we're doing, the order we're doing, et cetera. Almost all this list that we've already been doing and then I just listed actually comes from three main passages, Galatians 5, which is the fruit of the Spirit, and then Second Peter 1, which is add to your faith, goodness, goodness, knowledge, and it goes through that list. And then also Isaiah 11. It's a messianic passage about the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of knowledge, the Spirit of fear, right, et cetera. So um, I love those three passages, and they, there's some overlap between them. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, that's where we came up with all of these lists of all these things that we're doing. Um, so last thing then is just maybe like, like what's been a personal takeaway for each of us as we've gone through all this process and then what would be an, an encouragement to, to the listeners. So for me, um, one of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten from this whole journey that I've been on is how much all of this interplays with each other. There's so mm-hmm. much overlap and it works consistently well and how powerful it really is. Yeah. We've said before with water walking, it's the most difficult thing that you'll ever do, but it's also the most rewarding thing that you'll ever do. And I have seen those benefits. Uh, I felt God marvel, and I've seen others mm-hmm. impacted, and I felt more, re- more resilient. I know there's rewards coming. It's, it's um, well, it goes back to the whole point of rekindling anyways, that, that, that from, from the Silmarillion with, with Tolkien and Gandalf and all that, herewith maybe thou shalt rekindle hearts to the valor of old in a world that grows chill. And so for me, I've had my passions for God, others, and self uh, mm-hmm. rekindled by all this. It all makes sense. Yes, it's difficult, but it's powerful. It's, 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 it's life. It's, you know, getting into like, like you know, um, uh, scenes from um, the Dead Poets Society, you know, and things like that. It's just giving, it's given me more substance in life and more color in life. And I, I have found myself thriving on these kind of things. And so what would I encourage you, the listener, um, I think about John Eldred's Waking the Dead, one of the first books I read when I, when I came back after my, my prodigal son stage and really being moved by that. Or Bill Hull wrote a book called Choose the Life or even Alcorn's book on heaven. Um, if, if you're not a believer and somehow you came across this, this, this podcast, um, give it a shot. Hmm. 
think about this hope that, that, that this King Jesus may, may offer and, and do something with that. If you're already a believer, but you've, you've been in the boat, you have believed in him, but you haven't really done the water walking, uh, and you haven't begun to mature in your faith and transform and do all the training areas and all that because either you didn't know about it or it's a lot of work, you know, or you get overwhelmed by all, it's a baby step. Uh, two steps forward, one step back. It's the tortoise that wins the race, not the hare. And so, just slowly find find one area that you wanna mm-hmm. you wanna um, transform in and and mature on, and just develop in that area. And as you get good at that, then do the next one, uh, and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, it like, like I said, it'll be the, the most difficult thing that you ever do, but it'll be the most rewarding thing that you ever do. Uh, and just pace yourself with mm-hmm. it is what I would say. What would you say, Zach? I think that for me, because uh, I am much newer on this journey of walking through all of the things with rekindling than you are. Um, I think we met two years ago now. Yeah. Two and a half, something two like and a half that. Thing, yeah. um, but it has been a relatively short part of my life. Um, and I have been, I was raised in the church uh, and have had a relationship with Jesus for a long time. And something that, uh, really this season has helped put words to is the just vibrancy of what the Christian life can actually be like. I think a lot of times it's easy to be motivated by obligation Mm -hmm. and um, just uh, we try and avoid sin by just avoiding sin instead of (laughs) actually just running to Christ and going through and laying out all of these different components individually and putting them all together has been just so eye-opening for me just with all of the different details. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different components that play together so well. And you can just see um, the infinite creative God that's behind all of this. Mm. And it's just so encouraging to me um, to see that it's not that I was taught incorrect things all my life right. because I wasn't. I had some great uh, right. leaders in my life that really poured in uh, the importance of scripture. What this whole process for me has done is it's put a different vibrancy mm. to all of this. And so it's not that everything was wrong and now it's right. It's just things are more in tune. Mm-hmm. They're more in focus and through seeing the complexity of all of these different things, I actually have almost begun to see the simplicity of it all. Mm. Mm. Um, and so it's just really interesting how, and I honestly don't know how to describe it other than that, but just yeah. going through this whole process and us recording this season has just been so impactful for me. And it's um, just led to a lot of small changes in mm. my life, but have it has been quite impactful. So I guess my encouragement to the listener is um, if you are brand new to any of these concepts and right now you're overwhelmed, it's because this is a process. Mm -hmm. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. You're not going to listen to this episode or all of the 20 before it. And all of a sudden say, yep, okay, I get it where I've accepted all of this and move on. This really is something that, it is a process and it's going to be gradual and it's not going to move as fast as you want it to, but that's just the speed where this happens. If you are looking for something to start off with, um, because you really are fascinated by this idea and just this perspective that we've laid out, 
I really would encourage you to start with love. That is just one of the main characteristics that um, when I started realizing all of the different components and verbs of 1 Corinthians 13 and how it's your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength Mm -hmm. and how first and foremost you need to have all of those things towards God and recognize that he's already had it towards you. And then secondarily, move from that relationship, which becomes so much more intimate and exciting and all of those different components, to doing that to the people around you, not just the people you like, but the people that don't like you and that you don't like. It's powerful. Just seeing how all of those different things come together. And so I really, if you're looking for some place to start. I really do think that love is just one of those things that is so central to what Christianity is all about that that really is, I think, a good starting place. Yeah, love's probably the best one. Hope in heaven would be some other good ones as well. Um, so that's it. I, I hope that, that this helped you. Um, if, if we confuse you on any part of it or you want to uh, get some clarification or you want to kind of question or challenge or, or whatever, feel free to contact us. You can go to the website at rekindlingministries.org. Uh, you can also email us at info at rekindlingministries.com. Uh, we appreciate your, your feedback with that stuff. And uh, we'll see you guys for the next episode. Sounds good.